Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Uh, welcome to Prevention Hacks. We've got Dr. Adrian Falkov uh, here with us today. Uh, you're a child and adolescent psychiatrist. So welcome, Adrian. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, uh, Kevin. Good to be here. Um, so I can kick off. And uh, you, you specialize in relationships and, and family di- dynamics and how that may impact um, kids and their emotional health. Um, what are some of the common issues that you see uh, when it comes to uh, family dynamics um, and, and how that may uh, impact mental health for, for kids? So setting is important and I have both a public sector hospital-based uh, job as a child and adolescent psychiatrist and I also work in the private sector and, and do a bit of work uh, with primary care. So it covers the broad spectrum. Uh, really, the high prevalence are the most common conditions that um, are, are coming into services uh, across the board are the understandable ones, depression, anxiety, um, but also at, uh, at the more severe end, uh, the bipolar conditions, um, the uh, psychoses, and probably certainly over the past year, it's been very evident, uh, the impacts and complications and consequences that arise from adversity. And that adversity can take many forms from adverse life events and losses through to the various forms of abuse. Uh, so that um, the, the, there is an inevitability of uh, mental health being uh, an issue in day-to-day functioning and there is an important message that adverse outcomes are not inevitable. I think the theme of the uh, this podcast is around prevention and that's really critical. It's, it's particularly critical at a time of unprecedented demand uh, from rising mental health challenges from for young people of all ages, children, young people and therefore for families. Adrian, how much of you go? My question was how how much of it is preventable, uh, and 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 what could you what should people be thinking about um, to try and tackle these kinds of issues? Well, that's that's really a critical question. Um, there are in this day and age many good evidence based interventions to support good treatment outcomes, and good treatment outcomes have a preventive element in their own right, and Australia has done pretty well 
in terms of um, you know funding and committing to uh, prevention broadly speaking um, however it's the challenges and complexities uh, that have arisen um, over the years that make you know easy and quick outcomes and evidence of of prevention uh, more challenging to achieve so probably one of the biggest issues is stigma so that gets in the way that kind of features everywhere it's it's a it's an ever-present ubiquitous uh, factor or you know interfering variable in the uh, seeking of um, assistance and in the provision of assistance you know the right right people with the right challenges at the right place at the right time and, and stigma is a massive issue. So yep. that would be about, I guess, people recognizing that there's an issue and doing something about it. That's right. That, you know, uh, struggling alone or struggling in silence as opposed to seeking help, uh, asking questions, uh, talking with others. And, and really, one of my most important messages is, is that, you know, when it comes to uh, mental health, the importance of the conversation starting at home uh, within families. The ability... What are the kinds? Uh, yeah, sorry, you go. Well, what, what kind of signs should people be looking out for if their kids are, you know, is it just unusual behaviour, things that, you know, acting out? What, what are the kinds of things that should be early warning signs? Well, I, I think it's about um, it, it's about the you know ha having the communication and connections that that actually that in itself becomes the bedrock or the the uh, the base for being able to talk about issues. And when it comes to what to look out for, it's about change. Uh, you know, it's about um, uh, a child or a young person noticing uh, that, uh, you know, a mum or a dad is a bit more withdrawn, uh, is not uh, talking as much, or perhaps has become more irritable. Now, these are things that could be explained away by, uh, for, you know, could, could be happening for a variety of reasons. But if the conversation is there, then there is that facility for you know, the young person's confusion or perplexity around this to be able to, uh, you know, that person can ask, you know, why are you so irritable, mum? Or, you know, why are you getting angry, dad? Or uh, why aren't you coming out to play with me? Can we go and play cricket or whatever? And, and, you know, you said no yesterday and the day before and the day before that. So it's, it's really the ability to, you know, have... Uh, the support for uh, conversation and questions. Adrian, are there some practical tips that you can provide? Um, just given family dynamics can be um, quite quite complex, and certainly you know there is a genetic component to to mental health, but there's so much of it is social and environmental as well. Some practical tips that you would provide to families on how to have those conversations or how to um, initiate um, an, an assessment, maybe even seeking help. Yes. So I, I, my starting point is is um, a message around uh, individuals 
um, and family members not underestimating their own capabilities and resources. So that ability to have that shared conversation is a tremendous resource and a great, a great starting point. And much can be accomplished uh, around that. However, as we've, we've said, there, things can be more challenging and complex. And so uh, I think, you know, perhaps the, the family model, which is a tool that I've been working on over, over a number of years, uh, which is a visual illustration of key areas that are relevant for individuals and families. And there are six areas that are particularly important. And perhaps I can run through that briefly. And, you know, for each of those areas or domains, as I call them, you know, it's an area of focus. And there's something that, you know, can be looked out for and, and a question to go with it. So, um, so, you know, the first domain is uh, represents in the model, and if people are interested, there is a, a website. Uh, I, I guess you can share that uh, information with, with listeners. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot more detail there. But uh, the first domain uh, represents uh, adults and, and particularly parents. And uh, the question there is the broad question of you know, the, the, the adult you know, being able to ask themselves, how am I doing? Um, and, um, you know, am I in a good place or good space or, you know, am I struggling with something and should I seek help? It's a bit like the, the, um, the airline analogy with the oxygen mask, that in order to be able to help others, one has to be, you know, in a, in a, in a good position oneself. So it also is good modeling that seeking help when there's a difficulty is really important for children and young person to see. It's actually the very opposite of weakness. It's actually a real strength. And when children and young people see this, it can really, you know, give them the confidence to then be able to do the same with their parents when they are struggling. The second domain uh, covers or, or represents children, young people um, of all ages. And there, the, the, the issue, because of the disparity in age, because of the dependence in, in, in children, one of the things that's become clear to me um, over the years is, is the extent to which young people and even very young children uh, worry about their parents and the extent to which that can get in the way of them being able to seek help, or sometimes young people will tell me, um, well, they are struggling, but they really don't want to overburden their parents who are also struggling. So that question uh, for them is you know, kind of how is mum or dad doing? Some very able and, and resilient young people will actually ask that, but you can see how that question doesn't relate directly to themselves. How am I doing as a child is really uh, the, the important question, and it's a difficult one for them to ask. And so, you know, hence that ability to create that environment, that if a young person is struggling with uh, uh, irritability, lack of sleep, uh, low mood, tearfulness, uh, you know, struggling with uh, self-harm or suicidal thoughts, 
the single most important question is who to turn to. And in the older uh, young people, uh, obviously peers and friends become uh, an obvious uh, source for support. And whilst it's important, I always try and encourage that first level of help seeking to be within the family and between young, a conversation between young people and parents. The idea that um, uh, a treatment uh, focused rigidly on one person is an insufficient approach. It's really how to help that young person or that child feel able to have a conversation or for the parent to be able to create the environment in which they can have their conversation. Just on that, Adrian, um, do you have any practical tips on for, for younger kids or even adolescents where to turn for help if, you know, if within their family it may not be um, you know, easily accessible or should they be thinking about online resources? Um, yes, yes. So I think uh, uh, really important that, um, you know, what I've talked about is what's preferable as a starting point, but as you say, it often isn't. Um, so a number of um, important uh, options, uh, you know, help, um, uh, Kids Helpline, Beyond Blue, are the sorts of facilities as a starting point that can be really helpful, particularly if there are uh, serious uh, worries and concerns around safety. Um, GP can also be a, a very good option to have a conversation. And in fact, within schools, uh, you know, a good teacher goes a long way as a key adult uh, who can help and facilitate, or the school counsellor. So there are coming to be a range of, of, of options in the statutory sector, in the primary care sector, and, you know, in the, um, you know, non-government non uh, sector as well. So that, those would be some uh, broader options in the event that uh, there are challenges and struggles within, within family. So that was domain two, which is focused on children and young people. Uh, the third domain represents family, represents uh, relationships. And there, it's what I've been talking about already and trying to emphasize and highlight. It's, a, it's an area in the, in the model which ensures that those uh, participants uh, in the conversation are actually able to see it's in the center, the importance of communication. And communication uh, can be double-edged. Communication can be hugely protective and a great good communication is probably the best um, example of prevention in action. But poor communication, struggling communication, is also uh, a significant factor in uh, precipitating or in perpetuating struggles, including mental health struggles. Sure. So that communication and the, 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 that domain three represents the importance of connections and communication. And is that slightly the, not only the health-seeking behavior, so reaching out for help and encouragement to do so, um, but, you know, there's a lot of research around social isolation and social, the importance of social connections. Yes. Uh, and, and in lay terms, that might be just getting stuff off your chest and, and talking to your mates. You know, is that, is that a large part of it as well for, for kids? 
Well, I think that's a part of it. Uh, but in terms of uh, where do we start, uh, you know, where, where does the uh, strength and resilience building begin? Uh, where does help seeking begin? It begins at home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that, that strong base, you, you know, encourages and supports reaching further afield. Sure. And so, you know, friendships and, and beyond become really important. So that, that's the third domain. The fourth domain is, is, a, is a split which represents um, both vulnerability and resilience. So strengths and struggles. And uh, my emphasis and, and, and the model uh, makes both of those issues explicit. It doesn't favor one or the other. This is rightly big emphasis on, on resilience. But the reality of day-to-day life and the reality, reality of, of, of struggling with, with uh, day-to-day difficulties is that the route to resilience and recovery starts with the vulnerability. It starts with struggles. And we have to recognize that. We can't just impose resilience on people or here's a recipe of what you do. It's validating their struggles by showing the importance of the, the, the adversity issues and working together in finding that pathway through or the stepping stones to learn from adversity. My, the question I would, I would um, that, that sort of captures that fourth domain, the, the, the strengths and struggles, is the question, what gets you through? So I often ask that of people. And it's not a simple question. It's not a tell me your strengths or let's focus on your strengths. It's actually inviting people to think more carefully and more deeply about what uh, is really happening for that person and to reflect on themselves in the midst of the crisis. So it's really trying to look at uh, resilience and vulnerability in the moment, at the time of struggles happening. Because when people are coming along and engaging with me in these conversations, they're coming along in the crisis. And so it's incredibly important. There's a, there's a strength and a courage that enables people to seek help in the midst of that struggle. And I think to be able to identify or help people identify and validate that is, is a really important starting point. Is that similar? So that interplay is really important. Right. And, and is that similar to, you know, at a basic level when we do counselling in, in general practice, often building up that toolkit of, you know, being aware of your issues um, and in a way separating a lot of the emotion around what the, the issue is, but then being able to get into solution mode, you know, problem solving and working out ways to deal with it or manage some of those symptoms or how it impacts your day-to-day life um is that part of you know this this domain i i think you're you're describing well um a good clinical encounter you know or a good health focused conversation where um you're striving to get balance into that conversation you're you're recognizing that a person is coming along because of a difficulty or or many difficulties. And you're then inviting them through that consultation 
And, you know, given that there's never enough time, these are difficult conversations to be had because you're wanting to validate the difficulties in order to work out pathways to recovery, pathways to a solution. It's incredibly difficult to do in primary care within the, the constraints of time. Uh, it's generally so this is about is this about giving people perspective when they're in this when they're in the midst of it well i think uh it it, it is um I, I mean people might have uh different views on on exactly uh you know what form and shape that perspective takes but inviting or facilitating people's ability to reflect on what's happening for them you know when they're at their lowest is a really important part of treatment it 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 says that uh things are really tough and terrible and yet they're still able to participate in a conversation they've still got that strength to be able to do that they haven't given up they have come along to share suicidal thoughts uh, they are uh, having a conversation or trying to have a conversation about self-harm. I use those two uh, symptoms and behaviors as a way of illustrating, I hope, that uh, that uh, what gets you through question uh, really attends to every level of severity. And in some ways, the more severe it is, the more impressive it is that people come along and are able to have these conversations. That's been, for me, one of the most striking and inspiring parts of the work that I've done over many years is, you know, uh, being part of that shared um, struggle and uh, that shared pathway to finding solutions. So struggle builds resilience, like it can be an opportunity to become Correct. more resilient. Correct. It, it, it's, I, I, uh, Yes, it, it is. I describe, you know, it's a stepping stone that, that if a person has not yet got to the point of, um, you know, being able to identify and recognize and, and do something about or with that struggle, then the magical solution is much less likely to happen. So that stepping stone is that first step, that first question or that first conversation and hence my emphasis on the importance of family communication and family connections because that can be an incredibly important first step I mean as Kevin said earlier often there are difficulties with that but where it can happen it's a great first step and then building on that is the uh, the, the, the health-based uh, conversation the conversation with a health professional so, um, I mean, I hope that answers that particular question, just in terms of what the model does. There's a, there's a fifth domain, um, which covers uh, what we've already touched on, uh, the service component. So for me, over the years, what became very evident, people talk about the postcode lottery of what services are available in a particular area and the extent to which that uh, determines a person's uh, or a family's outcome. And it's still true today that uh, availability of services in Australia, you know, the concentration of services in big cities and the fall off, uh, you know, moving into rural and remote areas 
it plays a huge part in, in health outcomes. So quality of uh, availability of services, quality of services, and then within that, most importantly, the sort of relationship that an individual and family has with their health providers. And I, when I train medical students and, 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 and junior, uh, junior doctors, um, the emphasis is on what each of us as professionals brings to that conversation, should bring to the conversation, in order to make sure that we facilitate that pathway to recovery, to resilience and recovery, rather than hinder it. Um, so that's the uh, fifth domain. And the final domain is, 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 is a wraparound, uh, which is around community uh, and, and culture. So these are important things for individuals and families that sit a little more broadly, slightly beyond the immediate family. So the quality of neighborhoods, um, uh, broader supports, religious beliefs, cultural um, you know, support or challenges or isolation. And uh, within that, the model also emphasizes the critical importance of um, a, the values. So non-blame and non-judgmental in, in having this conversation. So those are the six, uh, the six key areas which I've uh, touched on and, you know, where, you know, there can be questions or issues within each of those domains that when brought together supports a family-based or a family-focused care plan. So it's a shared care plan. And the importance of it is that it's um, been developed jointly by participants, including not just the professional telling, but you know, family or in, in, you know, young, young people themselves being part of that conversation. That's tremendous. A lot of advertising. Sorry, sorry, Kev. You go. Uh, no, I was just going to say uh, that's tremendous. Uh, thank you for sharing that that uh, model with us um, because it's so important to be thinking about the different components and, and perhaps not just the individuals or not just the symptoms, um, you know, there and then. Um, and, and I think the fifth and sixth domain, Adrian, are a nice segue to uh, kind of thinking more broadly around the mental health challenges this year. Um, you know, we, we are seeing in our service um, just uh, so many more, um, so much more psychological distress. I think I read 70% in a survey, 70% of Australians have had mental health symptoms during COVID. Um, indicators such as even in the corporate world, there's been a doubling of workers' compensation, you know, um, uh, sort of incidents around around mental health. So there's this kind of urging demand, as you say. Um, you know, what what? how do we manage this at a society level? Um, what are some ways where families, if they're thinking about this and some of these topics are resonating because the dynamics, some of those symptoms are, are there, but they haven't quite sought help yet. What things could we be thinking about at a, at a, at a community level to, to address this demand? So, Kevin, it, it's the question, and um, it's got, you know, many facets to, you know, what is um, a, a complex uh, series of, of answers. Um, fundamentally, 
the obvious area is the need for greater investment in mental health uh, and the need, you know, the ongoing need to challenge stigma. That, that investment's really important. I mean, I see, you know, both the cross-section from primary care through to um, the high-end complexity, the specialist mental health services. And I think it's important the, go the government has put money you know, in various ways. Money's been put into um, uh, organisations like uh, Beyond Blue and, and trying to broaden the net to be able to, you know, pick up that initial point of contact. And that's really important. Um, the challenge remains that specialist mental health services uh, picking up the highest level of complexity also need much, much greater investment. There's been a legacy of chronic underfunding. And so that background, that decade's worth of underfunding has now the creaks and the cracks and the insufficiencies have really been exposed uh, this year. And uh, part of the challenge is that, you know, the, the, as you say, surge of mental health needs, but also mental health needs at the high end with young people. So unprecedented numbers of young people attending emergency departments uh, with um, suicidal thoughts, uh, self-harm, overdoses, and a growing number of suicides. So it's a hugely serious matter. And uh, again, it's that challenge of um, the importance of prevention, but at the same time needing to address uh, the need in the here and now with a view to uh, you know, prevention over time. Uh, giving a young person a good entry level experience into the mental health system can have huge lifespan potential uh, for the rest of their lives and therefore the rest of their, you know, uh, mental health. Mm. Uh, the opposite can also happen. It can be the beginning of recurrent revolving door attendances, insufficiencies of, of adequate input and real struggles, you know, over time. And many young people go on to themselves become parents mm. and the legacy can become, uh, you know, can perpetuate itself. So that investment is, is, is hugely important. And that, and that investment is, uh, as you say, for the here and now, we need to address the, the demand now in all parts of the, the health system. Um, and then, and then also think about prevention, as you say, over, over the longer term. Um, and, and that is interesting because even pre-COVID, you know, my sense is that over the decades as a clinician, we have seen a, what we used to call in the business world a mega trend where there has been this significant rise. And, and partly, I think we're doing slightly better, arguably, on, on stigma. And groups like Are You OK are really raising awareness um, that you know, mental health is as important as, as physical health. So we're perhaps picking up more, more, more cases. Um, but there does seem to be a lot of pressure on, on families. If I think about you know, um, career paths for both parents. Um, there's different family makeups, um, 
society is just busier. We all lead busier lives compared to a generation ago. There's screen time, there's so much social media, there's pressure uh, associated with that. I mean, do we have to live differently to, to kind of even get to some of the root causes, as you say, break that cycle from generation to generation? Are there, are there things that we should be thinking about within families to, you know, to change our habits even on a, on a daily basis? Yes, I, I think what COVID has done is to exponentially intensify um, trends and, and challenges that have been evident uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a growing way you know, over a number of years. The world has become an increasingly complex place for young people to be growing up in. And the corollary to that is that parenting has become increasingly challenging. Um, so, you know, the expectations and pressures on, on, you know, new parents, young parents are huge. And so assistance there for the same theme that I go on about, which is starting with within the family um, and in the face of rising stress, um, economic challenges, uh, societal complexity um, for individuals and families to not forget about the importance of what they bring. And so again, that's that uh, recognizing, validating the vulnerability and incorporating that into that, the, the building of strengths. That's where the fundamental um, solutions lie and will continue to lie. So it's not shifting or creating more dependent families in the face of uh, more challenging society pressures. It's, it's trying to hold on to the best strength that there is, which is family members themselves working well together, um, recognizing the importance of their connections and being helped to do so when, you know, when, when those connections are stressed or, or, or threatened. So again, my message is um, that in, in the face of these difficulties, and yes, we do need more investment, but let's not forget about the fundamental resources that you know, family members themselves can bring, and which sometimes get lost in the chaos and complexity. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we've, we've taken a, a lot of your time, um, but I really take away these important messages, the importance of the, the family um, in and amongst um, mental health, and just starting that conversation, as you say, is, is key within the, the family unit. So, um, uh, and of course, as a health system, we need to rally around create investment to address that increasing demand here and now. So, um, uh, Dr. Falkov, thank you so much, Adrian, for um, uh, joining us today. And we look forward to keeping you in touch and sharing your message and your family model more, more broadly. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. Well, th thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, it's been great to talk with you guys. So uh, thank you. Thanks, Adrian. It's been a pleasure.